listening to the My Pet Podcast, the show for pet lovers of Australia and around the world. Proudly brought to you by Australia's trusted online pet supply store, Vet and Pet Direct. Hello and welcome to the My Pet Podcast. I'm Beck and I'm joined by Dr. Glenn. Hello. In this episode of My Pet Podcast, we're going to discuss um, pancreatitis. Now, pancreatitis is it's quite a complicated um, illness um, that both our dogs and cats can suffer from. Correct. It comes in acute forms. It comes in chronic forms. It's something they can live with for a while. It's something that just onsets very quickly. Yep. It's very complicated, basically. Yep, it is. Definitely one for Dr. Glenn to discuss. He sees a few cases. I'll try and not prattle on too yeah, much. I'll have to cut him off probably. Yeah. But, um, so just remember anything we discuss here, it may or may not be suited to your pet's situation and it's just general advice. If you've got any questions or health concerns um, about your animal, please contact your veterinarian. So, Glenn, let's start with uh, pancreatitis. What is it? Uh, officially, pancreatitis yes. inflammation of the pancreas. Yep. Um, so the pancreas is a little organ that has got lots of... Uh, very important things to do in the body, basically. It's in the little bend in the top of the small intestine, just mm-hmm. past the liver, just past the stomach, um, <laughs> and has got two main uh, functions in the body. One is to make digestive enzymes to be put into the top of the small intestine to help mm-hmm. digest food, yep. um, and it's also got the um, insulin-secreting cells there, mm-hmm. so it's it's important for glucose metabolism of the bloodstream, basically. So mm-hmm. it's really, really important. You can't live without it. Yep. Um, so it's not one that we remove? No, no. <laughs> if you remove the pancreas, you would last not very long at all, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. So it's the same as um, same job as we people have? Like yep. it does the same thing? Absolutely. So yep. it's the same in dogs and cats? And dogs, cats, everything's yep. got a pancreas um, because it's important for life. There you go. Mm. So we're not going to be chopping it out. No, <laughs> okay. and you don't want to touch it basically because it's okay. a very fragile little thing. Oh, if you, you are doing surgery around that area, it's yeah very delicate okay. because um, and that's part of the problem with it because it's okay. delicate. Um, if you yeah go fiddling with it too much, mechanically mm. touching it, um, you can cause troubles and if it's got uh, inflammation or infection or anything mm-hmm. going on around it, yeah, it can be in strife fairly quickly. Okay. Mm. So I mentioned that the, both dogs and cats suffer from pancreatitis mm-hmm. or can suffer. Um, what's sort of the difference? Because they are they do suffer differently. Like our cats. Yeah, there's differences, different syndromes. I mean, they're the same as in it's still inflammation of the pancreas and, mm-hmm. and has similar causes and some of the same causes in, in both cats and dogs. Um, cats seem to have a more uh, complicated presentation of not just pancreatitis a lot of the time. It's a combination of um, some liver pathology and mm-hmm. pancreatitis and, and small um, intestine problems as well, inflammation so, or or occasionally infection. Um, so other things are generally going on at the same time. Yeah, all well, other things but part of the same metabolic syndrome. Syndrome to some extent, and some of the same disease processes, just because it's all in the same um, area. Same area, yeah. And I mean, it's a really painful condition most mm-hmm. of the time, both cats and dogs. Um, I mean, the pancreas um it, it's a very delicate little organ and when you, if you've got inflammation around it yeah pain in the front of the abdomen because it's sort of right up underneath the rib cage yeah. basically like it's in the abdomen in the belly as opposed to in the chest yeah but the way the anatomy is sort of worked out most of the time the pancreas sits nearly up underneath the ribs so um, from the back ribs like yeah sort of behind the back ribs so if yep. i'm palpating a yep. dog that's been vomiting and, and palpating its abdomen you sort of reach up um underneath the ribs rib just about or at the bottom of the ribs and that's sort of the general 
general anterior front of the abdomen area that we're looking at that where they get become painful. So yeah, it's um, cats sort of have more other things going on. And other things going on, but sometimes the same as dogs, you, you don't know anything's going on until yep. they actually um, crash in a big heap with pancreatitis yep. and start throwing up everywhere. So cats are more likely to have more of an acute onset of pancreatitis, you find? Both. Both, yep. yep. Yeah, I mean, acute means sudden onset uh-huh. um, and no signs of anything going on previously. Um, and chronic um, just means it's been going for a longer time. Just Again, underlying and yeah, ticking some, along. Sometimes there has been no outward symptoms yep. as well. Sometimes in hindsight there's a history of you know, mild gastrointestinal upset yep. or something you know, going on that hasn't been quite right, but there hasn't been anything to, to put your finger on as such. But, yep. yeah, chronic just means you've got um, the condition that's been going for a fair while versus acute, yeah, it's sudden onset. Uh-huh. But... You can have chronic pancreatitis that's bubbling away and not physically making the, the animal you know, very unwell, mm-hmm. um, and then that can become acute, as in yep. become very unwell from it. Yeah. Yep. So our dogs, um, you mentioned that cats normally have something else going on. Does that mean the dogs don't? They often just get pancreatitis? Um, they can. Uh, less so, yeah. It's mostly the liver and the small intestinal mm-hmm. side of things um, that also present in cats versus dogs yes you can have just just pancreatitis mm-hmm. again it can be acute or chronic yep. um or a bit of both yeah as um, i said it's really complicated because anyone um, following along but yeah i mean a lot of dogs um you don't sort of have any outward signs of problems mm-hmm. um until you get that first um acute bout mm-hmm. and then unfortunately the same as in cats once you've had pancreatitis once yep. um you're certainly more prone to pancreatitis again in the mm-hmm. future and is that because you've still got the same underlying disease process yep. or you're or genetically a bit prone to it because certainly there's breeds of dogs in particular that are prone, more prone to pancreatitis. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also, okay, if it was, you know, a problem with your diet in the first place or being overweight, which we'll talk about, mm-hmm. um, if you continue to have a not optimal diet yep. and be overweight, well, the pancreatitis is more likely to keep coming back. So you've got, if you've still got that same cause or the same trigger, Correct. it's just going to keep coming. Yeah. So there are things that can be triggering it, causing it, underlying that you're not really, oh, my pet's a little bit off, maybe not. And they are things that you often think of at a later date when the vet says to you, well, have they been doing yeah. this? Have they done 20, this? 2020 like, 20, oh, 20 hindsight. Yeah, they yeah. have, but yeah. they've otherwise been well. Yeah. So, okay, so what are the, some of these causes? Should we start with cats or dogs or both together? Are they the same? Well, I mean, in, in general, it's, I mean, um, most patients that we see with pancreatitis have um, been overweight for a reasonable amount of time, um, and that seems to predispose them to pancreatitis because the pancreas, as it's um, function in the body to make digestive enzymes and also mm-hmm. um, deal with glucose in the bloodstream through the insulin pathway if you've got a, a diet of um, excess energy in the first place, whether that's um, protein or fat or carbohydrate. If you're mm-hmm. getting fed too much, well, the, the pancreas is being overworked okay. because you're asking it to, to deal with a greater burden to some extent. Uh-huh. So it's um, working too much? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yep. I mean, it's, it, it's overtaxed. Because um, of its diet, but... Yep because of the animal's diet. Yeah, which is yep. essentially you know, type 2 diabetes in people um, mm-hmm. and cats tend to get you know, type 2 diabetes yep. essentially. Um, but if you're if, if an organ is overworked then more than it should be, okay, it's not going to function normally and, and um, can become more inflamed uh, because of just cellular damage yep. basically and that's that's what's going on in pancreatitis. The cells themselves are, are becoming damaged um, and leaking out the digestive enzymes mm-hmm. or the digestive enzymes within the cells are being activated earlier than they should be, so it essentially starts sort of digesting itself okay. r- rather than those digestive enzymes getting down into the into the gut where they're supposed to be. Okay. Yeah. What are um, 
smother causes. So we've got the weight is definitely another Yeah, weight's issue. part of it. Um, I mean, acute pancreatitis we associate sometimes with um, sudden uh, fattier meals than a, than a pet's used to eating. Yep. Um, that's probably more so in dogs and in cats, but um, there's you know, the classic Christmas mm-hmm. um, um, onset of, of pancreatitis from the dogs eating all the fat yep. off the ham and, and um, you know, fatty meals and that sort of thing. Which certainly happens, isn't it? There's a definite Absolutely. peak. Yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely a peak. Um, and again, is that true acute was it just the meal that caused it yep. or were these dogs already predisposed to it because yes. of the overweight and, and you know, chron- chronically getting fed yep. too much of a, of a not necessarily best diet and um, and then that was the tipping point that, yep. that tipped them over the edge sort of thing yeah and, and quite often that's the case yep. you know, I don't see many normal weight dogs or lean athletic dogs that get pancreatitis you see a few but there's yep. not many you know yep. Um, overweight um, is never healthy um, yeah. and overweight is certainly a, um, a large risk factor that's for mm-hmm. sure yeah. so it's clearly linked to diet really isn't yeah, it it's either yeah. eating a big bulk of something that's really fatty and not good for them yeah. or this continual um, their whole life being fed something that's not ideal or not, not, not the right or, ratio or just or too much too much yeah yep. yeah uh, and i mean there's other causes as well like we touched on the genetic side of things i mean uh-huh. certainly medications that can predispose um uh-huh. pets i mean uh, some of the um seizure control medications phenobarbitone um, yep. does make them more prone to pancreatitis okay. i mean definitely cortisone's implicated um, yep. strongly um so um pets sometimes get um cortisone less these days than uh-huh. we used to because we've got more medication options so but certainly cortisone's the ones we use on um, normally the itchy skins and inflammations yeah, itchy skins and inflammation and, and i mean autoimmune disease if, yep. you're, if you're getting treated for um, other autoimmune conditions and, and you're using um the cortisone to suppress the immune system uh-huh. um it, it also makes them predisposed to pancreatitis um but yeah that, I mean, we try to use cortisone a lot less than we used to because we've got more appropriate drugs yep. um, a lot of time for skin case and that sort of thing but we, just, we still do use it um medications that um directly influence the pancreas i mean there's a few prescription medications that, yep. that can have an influence um some dogs make too much of their own cortisone uh-huh. um, and that's like cushing's disease dogs yep. with cushing's disease um, are producing more cortisone in their own body than they should and those dogs are certainly prone to pancreatitis, pancreatitis so yeah. um if your dog's been diagnosed with Cushing's, I mean, certainly that's a, an issue, but there's mm-hmm. lots and lots of dogs running around it there. They've got um, subclinical or undiagnosed Cushing's disease, yep. um, and those dogs, you know, sometimes you'll see them with pancreatitis, and, gee, he's a little overweight dog that's mm-hmm. got thinner skin that should have and a big pot belly. Yep. Um, looks like a Cushing's dog, and you chase them up, and, and okay, you know, after the pancreatitis um, caused this, you know, the onset of, of an acute illness, yep. um, okay, there's this underlying, underlying. condition that's, that's made them more prone to it in the first place yeah what are some of the symptoms that we should be um looking out for i guess let's start with um more the acute side of it okay so an acute attack of pancreatitis what's that going to involve yeah i mean it's probably when we take them to the vet more likely yeah dog dogs versus cats i mean dogs you know vomiting sort of the hallmark of it and again you know vomiting is a very non-specific um symptom um i mean there's lots of dogs vomit from all sorts of reasons but Mm -hmm. but um, most dogs with pancreatitis vomiting will be um, a, a fairly significant part of the disease. Is that a lot of vomiting? Are you meaning they vomit once? They vomit repeatedly in uh, a oh, time frame? Yeah, I mean, repeatedly, but it's just not going away. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if your dog throws up three times and then it's fine, well, it probably hasn't got pancreatitis. Yep. Um, if your dog throws up three times and then you know, two hours later it's throwing up again yep. and two hours after that it's throwing up again, could be pancreatitis, could have an obstruction, could have all sorts <laughs> of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, vom- <laughs> vomiting yeah, a big part of it. Cats, about 75% of cats with pancreatitis. Um, will vomit, but mm-hmm. 25% won't. So okay. it seems to be vomiting seems to be, you know, it's still a big part of it, but it's less. 
Same as most of these diseases, there's no one symptom, one mm. diagnostic tool. There's not one thing that says, okay, this is what's going yep. on. Um, but, but yeah, vomiting's you know, a big part of it, sort of anterior abdominal pain. So, you know, uncomfortable abdomen uh-huh. up underneath the rib cage. Again, so, you know, guess- we start looking for that, but for people at home, that's you know, pretty hard to tell. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you pick your cat or your dog up and they're really not happy about it. That's yeah, and I mean, sometimes it's not, not yelping sort of pain, like it's just yeah. general discomfort um, up underneath the rib cage when you feel in their belly. Um, but again, you know, if you've got an obstruction or if you've mm. got um, liver disease and, and other conditions, okay, you're still going to have, you know, pain Same. in that area yep. as well. But that's, um, you know, fairly common. Um, diarrhea 20, 25% of the time in dogs. Mm-hmm. So um, we see that less often in cats. Um, so yeah, variable symptoms, but mostly vomiting, discomfort in the front of the abdomen, um, you know, reduced appetite because mm-hmm. they're feeling nauseous. Basically some dogs with pancreatitis will still eat, most of them, um, won't. Um, so it's depending, basically depending on the like level. gastrointestinal signs. It is, yeah, because it—I mean—it's a gastrointestinal yeah. disorder to some extent, because um, it's part of the gastrointestinal yeah. tract. Yeah. Do they get a fever? Um, can do a lot of the time they will, but not necessarily. Okay. Um, and you know, it is an itis, like it is inflammation occasionally. Um, it is. Um, primary bacterial and, and nothing else is going on and you can, an ascending infection because mm-hmm. there's a little duct in the pancreas that, that delivers the digestive enzymes down into the into the bowel and the bowel's not a, you know, a sterile spot. Yep. Um, so you can get a primary ascending mm-hmm. um, bacterial infection. So but, the infection runs back from the bowel back up to yeah, the pancreas. But yeah, but how to diagnose that, you know, clinically you, you can't yep. really, but there's not many of them we think. Like we used to think it was just a primary bacterial disease. Uh-huh. Um, and we've come to the conclusion that's probably not the case most of the time. Yep. Um, it, it's an inflammatory condition, which is you know painful and, and causes dysfunction, but but bacteria isn't necessarily part of it. Yep. Um, and responsible use of antibiotics-wise, we, we certainly yeah. treat um, pancreatitis cases a lot less with antibiotics now, yep. unless we've got you know, persistent temperatures or, or other yep. indications. Um, you know, If they've got a, a white cell count on your blood test um, and you've got elevation of white blood cell count, that can be you know, more... Um, give more weight to a bacterial yep. infection. So getting into the treatment side of things, I mean, yeah, sometimes we use antibiotics, but we try and use them a lot less than we probably used to. Yep. Yeah. So you mentioned that though the cats, you know, are only 25% of the time they vomit, they don't really get diarrhea. So how are we meant to tell about cats with pancreatitis? <laughs> it's, it's hard, and that's why, I mean, a lot of these chronic cases go sort of undiagnosed. Yep. Um, and, again, there's not one diagnostic test that tells you that that is yeah. what's going on. I mean, but there's just, yeah, if your cat's not... normal not well i mean you know veterinary yeah attention um and a a thorough uh, history and a clinical exam and and often blood work you know to to help to diagnose things um is what's needed but yeah cats is certainly more complicated um, because they tend not to be you know as acutely sick a lot of the time and they cover up signs of illness you know fairly well sometimes um but sometimes when they present they're you know very 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 sick Mm. yeah um so you've touched on a bit like sometimes you use the antibiotics for treatment Let's well first, I guess. How do you even diagnose it? Because you can't trust the symptoms clearly. <laughs> True. Um, so again, I mean, history is part of it. it it's it's a combination of. Um, clinical exam, the symptoms yep. that they're presenting with, the history, um, again, what breed they are, what their body mm-hmm. weight is, um, and, and, and testing, including you know, blood testing is part of it, um, ideally ultrasounds is part of it to, to image the pancreas and actually see you know, inflammation on, okay. on, the, um, on yep. the ultrasound. Um, x-rays don't usually tell you a great deal because mm-hmm. it's just a little spongy bit of soft tissue um, that, that's sitting there, and sometimes it's, you know, it's excluding other causes yep. at, at the same time sort of thing. Um, I mean, because you've got inflammation of the pancreas, um, usually you've 
got uh, leakage of the digestive enzymes yep. at higher levels than they should be into the bloodstream, and that's um, detectable on blood the tests. Um, there are now, because pancreatitis is such a common problem, like I probably treat one a week on average, I yeah. suppose, and, and around that Christmas <laughs> Christmas period <laughs> um, in, to treat more. Um, so, you know, it's a fairly common presentation. Um, yep. So we've got in-house blood testing that you can uh-huh. do, like a little 20-minute um, snap test yep. um, that detects lipase, so one of the two... Um, enzymes that, that sort of indicate pancreatitis mm-hmm. um, so we can do those in-house and a lot of the in-house blood machines a lot of vets have got um, in-house blood testing machines mm-hmm. where you can get a result you know, half an hour later um, they'll test amylase which is the other pancreatic enzyme mm-hmm. that we use to help to detect um, problems there so um, so it's really a combination of um, um, tools of looking at the animal the history and then you go with the blood tests, obviously, and an ultrasound to see if you can see anything. Yes. Okay. Yes, it's a combination of So, I mean, if the blood tests um, come up positive for, for elevated levels of those enzymes, um, it's, you know, fairly good likelihood we've got pancreatitis going on, but not absolutely always because yep. you can get, you know, false, false positive sometimes and, and other things that can then, um, increase those enzyme levels yep. as well. Um, sometimes you've come in early and the... Uh, pancreas is very inflamed but you haven't got enough leakage Mm -hmm. yet into the system so you'll take blood tests at nine o'clock in the morning and the dog's only been sick for 12 to 24 Mm -hmm. hours and and you'll have like a mild elevation take the bloods and run the same test 24 hours later and they're through the roof yeah so So, yeah it's um it's complicated so it's pretty tricky yeah unfortunately they can't just talk to us and tell us it'd be nice yeah (laughs) um but i mean you know if you've got a dog that's um had a fatty meal and Mm. it's fat and it's throwing up and it's got anterior abdominal pain yep. and it comes up positive on your um, blood testing and there's no sign of anything else going on and you take an x-ray and there's no you know bone, bones in the stomach or it's blockage um, and if you've got a good enough ultrasound and a good enough ultrasonographer mm-hmm. um, and have a look at the pancreas and and, and it looks inflamed okay you know, you've got pancreatitis yep. um, if you come up negative on the blood test doesn't necessarily exclude pancreatitis mm-hmm. altogether because if you've got all those other things and a negative pancreatitis test okay is it early yeah is it just not um high enough levels yet yep. yeah so it is just a bit of guesswork sometimes i guess <laughs> just a, a combination of factors yeah just, yes. you know the you know, same as most conditions no one no one test tells you what's going on yep. no one symptom tells you what's going on it's a it's a combination of. And i guess it's a hard thing because there's often then an underlying cause as well that's yep. actually the real reason so yep. you're just treating that pancreatitis possible pancreatitis straight away and then yep. you've got to also think oh what's the underlying condition that could be causing other symptoms and running along that, that's right and, and i mean if you've got um you know for example a uh, intestinal foreign body that was in the stomach and is passed part way mm-hmm. down the small intestine and the small intestine is really inflamed and it's backed up you're probably going to have pancreatitis at the as same well. time as yep. that because it's it's all inflamed around mm-hmm. that area so again if you ran just the blood test and said okay positive for lipase okay. so it must be pancreatitis well okay there's inflammation of the pancreas but what else is mm-hmm. going on and what else could be going on yep. um so it's sometimes yeah, it's excluding the other things as well mm-hmm. because, okay we've got pancreatitis but is it a is it the problem or is it a symptom of something else going on? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So 
Say you suspect and you're pretty sure that it is a pan- case of pancreatitis. Mm-hmm. How do you treat it? Um, it's painful, so pain mm. relief is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, injectable medications initially to um, make them more comfortable. Because and it's some, clearly hospitalisation situation. Hospitalisation, yeah. yeah. Um, so some of these guys, like, they're really, really painful. Like, mm-hmm. you, you can't palpate anything in their belly because yep. they're just, we talk about um, guarding their abdomen. Yep. So, like, they're just tensing their abs. So you can't feel anything yeah, in there. Yep. It's just They're tight. protecting it. Yeah, it's just tight. Um, so... Again, you can't feel anything much other than, okay, they've got a tight belly, therefore yeah. it must be painful. Um, so, yeah, pain relief is part of it. Um, you've got inflammation, so we do sometimes use anti-inflammatories. Mm-hmm. Again, um, veterinary medicine, same as human medicine, changes their minds on things yeah. a fair bit. Um, we used to use quite a lot of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, mm-hmm. um, using them less these days. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely intravenous fluid therapy is part of it because, <laughs> A, they're usually um, vomiting and, and feeling nauseous, so they're not drinking as much yeah. and they've been bombing so they're usually dehydrated dehydrated anyway um and if they're feeling nauseous enough or they're probably not wanting to drink Mm -hmm. or if they are drinking and they're throwing it back up again well it doesn't help so yeah iv fluids to maintain hydration and and sort of flush the system is certainly important um clinically decide whether you can use antibiotics or not Mm -hmm. um depending on your um, ultrasound results i mean some of them can end up as a surgical problem um, and like on ultrasound and then sometimes it's the ones that, that aren't responding to therapy um, you'll do you know repeated ultrasounds and, and you can get um, pancreatic abscesses which yep. which need draining and and, um, and need you know it's a surgical problem there's not many surgical problems but but um, but some of them end up as surgical problems um, so you mentioned earlier though that it's such a little sensitive little organ that surgeries um, you don't want to be mucking around with it. So it's kind of like the last option. Yeah, you don't want to have to do that. Yeah. But if you've got a big abscess there that isn't responding medically, well, yeah. then sometimes you have to So that's the bite, only bite the bullet. real reason, like you go in for surgery is to drain an abscess or a really bad infection? Yeah, unless, I mean, like, unless you had you know, a foreign body going at the same time or, yeah. or something else yeah. um, or, you know, fluid building up in the abdomen mm-hmm. like you've got leakage of of something um, causing you know a peritonitis yep. basically so you've got to go looking for okay why is that and uh-huh. you'll go in there occasionally and this yeah pancreas will just be look like it's liquefying so yeah. it's just leaking oozing stuff everywhere and, and causing a, a local or a um, diffuse peritonitis yep. um and that's so not, not a cool thing yep. um but um but it doesn't need drainage but you don't sometimes you just don't really know until you go in there and have yeah. a look but yep. that's not your, your, fir- and it's not your first choice yeah yeah so we treat with well you treat with um pain relief um and inflammatories if necessary yep. uh, antibiotics if necessary yep. iv fluids iv fluids hospitalization um, hospitalization um again theories change and we when i first graduated we were um fasting pancreatitis yep. dogs on the theory that if you give them food even if they feel like getting food or if you force feed them food mm-hmm. like a nasogastric tube up the nose and, and putting food down in the stomach um it might stimulate the pancreas further and cause mm-hmm. further release of toxins etc um we've sort of gone the other direction from that now and so it's human medicine and, and suggesting that um, uh, nutrition for the the bowel, so the small intestinal, large intestine. Yep. We need to get food in there to um, increase its um, health um, fairly quickly, yep. um, because if you're not 
haven't got anything going through the digestive tract, those little cells that line the digestive tract haven't got any food, basically. Mm-hmm. So they've got blood supply, but they're um, largely uh, dependent on nutrition coming through you know, the food that's in the bowel sort of thing. Um, and also uh, ileus, which is where the bowel just stops contracting and just sits there yep. stagnantly sort of thing. Um, that can happen through pain and also through not eating. Like if there's no food going through, so then the bowel just sits there and you get sort of gassy fermentation and, and distension of the bowel mm-hmm. through gas which makes them nauseous and uncomfortable and more likely to throw up yeah. um, so if you can trickle some food um, through there you get uh, stimulation of the small mm-hmm. intestine get so it moves moving. more so you, that can help reduce the mm-hmm. nausea as well um, because they're going to be on anti-nausea medication yeah. as well and a lot of the time it's it's um, multiple different medications that we use to, to help suppress vomiting and suppress nausea because you want them a you know to feel better but um stimulating that bowel to return to a more normal function as well so yeah we're giving them um, a couple of different anti-nausea medications a lot of time as part of the, as part of the treatment um how long does treatment take like how long is an animal hospitalized for yeah most of them for at least two days yep. um that sort of be as a, as a minimum um and just depends on um how quickly they respond on a comfort level and, and retesting their their you know, mm-hmm. bloods to make sure everything's going okay on that front um what's their appetite like are they eating sort of more normally uh, is their pain um reasonably under control because initially a lot of them are on opiate injectable opiate pain relief because yep. they, you know, they're pretty uncomfortable um and then you know tapering off that because we can't send people home with injectable opiates mm. and that sort of thing um, to, to medicate their dogs with. So it just depends on, yeah, like a lot of things, response to therapy. And, and mm-hmm. if we're doing things in hospital that we can't do at home, well, they've yep. got to stay in. Um, and if they're, you know, if they're eating and they're drinking and, and they're on oral medications and, and we're not doing much in hospital, well, that's when they can go home. Yep. Um, but, yeah, two days would be the minimum. But, I mean, a lot of them it's three or four or five days quite yep. commonly um, and you're, you're nasty, you know, more... Um, more intense cases it can be more yeah particularly if they're um some of them can be just quite difficult to to convince that they need to start eating again yeah um so you can be um nasogastric uh, or nasoesophageal tube feeding a tube up their nose and yep. you know, squirting stuff down into their, yep. into their bowel but you've got to convince them that they feel well enough you know to, to, to eat, eat again yep. yeah and sometimes when they're um quite nauseous just sticking food mm. in front of their face all the time, they go, "Oh, I can't really look at that." And, and literally, like you'll put the bowl of food in there, mm. and they'll just, you know, turn away, like they've got just, a bad hangover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can't face that. Yeah. I can't stomach that. Um, and you don't want to cause a food aversion yes. because um, if you do that, you know, too often, they'll um, associate bugger it. You yeah. know, that makes me feel sick, yeah. sort of thing. Um, and the same with force feeding. Like we used to syringe feed, and we still do sometimes. Like some dogs. Just when on, on they're on that cusp of, uh, I'm, not, I'm not that hungry, I and mean, you'll be tempting them with some, you know, raw, uh, sorry, um, some um, skinless roast chicken or something, mm. which is probably the most tempting yeah. thing that we can <laughs> we can give pets in hospital. Um, you know, they they sort of oh, should I or shouldn't yeah. I sort of thing, and sometimes you know just um, syringing a bit of food of some sort in their mouth just to Remind to get the them. taste going, and, and okay, oh, I actually don't feel too bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then if you syringe force feeding them multiple times a day for a couple of days, well, that pisses them off pretty quickly yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's a balancing act. What's the um like, is it life-threatening? Is there? Do you see a lot of cases where you just can't help? It's just too hard. Oh, not a lot of cases, but it's certainly life-threatening. Yeah. Um, on a couple of different fronts. I mean, the um, if you've got a really nasty um, pancreatic inflammation, it releases toxins into the system, and yeah. they're they're basically endo 
toxemic so they can be you know absorb enough toxins mm-hmm. in the system that they're shocky and yeah. and, um, and going downhill because of that there's certainly some direct cardiac toxins involved with pancreatitis mm-hmm. and, and you can have um you know um very very unwell pets and, and yeah. arrhythmias and and yeah. you know uh, direct effects on the heart sometimes i mean you don't see a lot of those but but it can certainly happen um, if you've got underlying um, you know, insulin pathway problems, either short-term or long-term, I mean, some of these guys um, become diabetic from acute um, pancreatitis episodes, so that's certainly a significant complication yep. that's going on. Um, or if you've already got a you know, diabetic patient that um, gets another bout of pancreatitis just yep. to beat their pancreas up a little bit more, they're even more complicated because you've got... Um, incorrect glucose metabolism you're trying to force feed them to get enough food in yeah. and you're balancing and balancing their nutritional intake with their um, insulin yeah. requirements and they can get pretty complicated when you've got um, a dog that doesn't want to eat but you need to eat um, and with enough nutrition but then you've got to administer insulin at the appropriate levels mm, as well yeah yeah it's hard treatment complicated yeah <laughs> as we said complicated yeah. um what are some of those like secondary or the complications that can happen after a bout of pancreatitis like they're more prone to pancreatitis yeah again? certainly more prone to pancreatitis because a you know you've got the underlying condition that's still there whether mm-hmm. it's their genetics or, or weight or um you know dietary intolerances and that sort of thing um and we see that there's definitely a syndrome of once they've had it once, they're, they're more prone to it in the future. Yep. Um, even if you take, you know, more precautions with the mm-hmm. things that, that you can um, that you can modify, sort of thing. Um, definitely, we do see uh, increasing levels of um, diabetes in mm-hmm. both cats and dogs that are post pancreatitis. So uh, a lot of time we do um, just a routine glucose level check um, a couple of weeks after mm-hmm. they've had their acute about pancreatitis just to make sure that their you know, glucose metabolism has returned to normal sort of thing. Um, so that's a, a, you know, a big consequence is, um, yeah. is you know, um, diabetic and patients are a big problem, that's yeah, for sure. So, so that's a you know, major complication. Um, the cat syndrome, I mean, if you've got liver pathology and, yep. and small intestinal pathology, and uh, I mean, there's a combination of factors there and that's sort of part of the risk factors like dogs with inflammatory bowel disease and cats with inflammatory bowel disease which isn't uncommon Um, that's not not a direct consequence of having um, pancreatitis but you know if you've got an underlying chronic inflammatory bowel disease um, condition going on well you know you're going to be more prone to gastrointestinal Mm -hmm. upsets as well and that's you know again complicated yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it is it's all just very complicated isn't yeah. it it's a little organ that causes a lot of problems Absolutely. it's really really important little organ yeah. unfortunately yeah it's clearly yeah. um what are some of the prevention well how do we stop it like realistically yeah. i mean the same as how do we stop joint disease and all the yeah. other things that you know, chronically overweight pets um, are more prone to a, a multitude of health problems. I mean, having um, your pet at a good weight um, is probably yeah. the main thing that you can do to, to, to help stop all problems. All the time with everything, doesn't it? You're pretty, looking pretty joint, much. heart disease. Everything seems to be really, got all related back to their weight yep. in some form and their diet. Yep, which is... The same, yep. <laughs> the same thing to a certain extent. Yep. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's really important just because it's, you know, it's a major risk factor there. And um, yes, we see those um, patients with you know, acute pancreatitis post large fatty meal that they haven't had yep. previously. Um, so obviously, you know, uh, same as any pet, I mean, a, a massive change in diet compared mm-hmm. to what they used to have. I mean, I'm a, an advocate of, of, you know, raw meaty bones, but if your dog's never had raw meaty bones before mm-hmm. and you present them with, you know, one and a half kilos of, of fatty raw meaty yeah. bones, the first time you feed for raw Full meaty bones. Bone okay. marrow. <laughs> you're potentially going to have troubles. Yep. Um, so, you know, dietary changes from anything to anything else, you know, should be done in a stepwise manner over, you know, at least four or five days yep. and, you know, 
you know, 10 days is probably the ideal, but not many people can stick yeah. to a gradual yeah. thing over 10 days, but, you know, four or five days um, of any dietary change. But, yeah, there's one-off meals that are high in fat in a dog that's already got too much energy in the system and yeah. is probably on a diet that's too high in fat and carbohydrate um, is definitely a problem because, you know, we used to think it was, you know, just uh, you know just fat that was a problem, but, yep. but carbohydrate is, is certainly, a, you know, part of the problem. And if you're overfeeding, you know, fat and carbohydrate um, and then whack a big fat meal on top you know the, the pancreas is already under stress yes. yeah so our best prevention is to keep our dog at a good weight in their correct weight range yep and feeding them a really well balanced healthy nutritional diet yep and really look into that make sure they're not getting too much carbohydrates or too much protein or something that you're adding as an extra treat isn't actually causing some harms to the body yeah and i mean treats is hard because i mean treats should be by definition you know, a small amount i mean a lot of time it's just the, the total amount of food that they're getting yep. um and the total you know carbohydrate and fat load i mean a, a diet that's you know some people do homemade diets of you know a little bit of lean chicken breast and you know five cupfuls of rice yep. or pasta i mean that's you know not a balanced diet it's a lot of um, carbohydrate in, in itself yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean obviously um you know trimming up a large roast and and trimming all the fat off it and, and giving your dog mm. half kilo of fat as a one-up meal that's not yeah Idea. it's not a great thing either um but you know a lot of um you know dry foods are quite high in carbohydrate mm-hmm. um and if you're feeding them too much of that that can be a bad thing as well yeah. because again you're just you're beating that pancreas to death um in in the long term yeah so i mean really it's yeah weight management is is a big you know a big massive part of it and and that's the main thing you've got control over because yeah. genetics you know some breeds are prone to it but if your dog's your you dog you yeah. can't change the genetics right. and you um, don't often know what's been going on beforehand that's anyway. right <laughs> um Parents i mean and- the other you know risk factors i mean drugs wise okay if you, mm-hmm. you know if you're on if your dog's on cortisone long term for management of immune disease that's you know we usually warn people okay yeah. you know, pancreatitis is a, is a risk from that and they're probably hungrier anyway so they probably need less food than what mm-hmm. they think they need um so obviously you know controlling the diet of a dog that needs to be on cortisone yep. is a big part of it um, but once again they need the cortisone so you've got to yeah you know if, 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 the, if, if they need it and i mean a lot of time as i said like there is alternative medications yep. these days that you know no prescription medication has got no potential side effects yep. um but cortisone is one that's got you know a, a fairly long list of potentially yeah. nasty side effects so there's um a way up there between yourself and your veterinarian of the, yep. the you know the risk factors of this medication versus the next and mm-hmm. and i mean cortisone's as cheap as chips which is why it often gets used, used. as a first um a first thing but that's probably not yeah cost alone isn't um a good uh reason to prescribe one medication yeah. over another in, in an ideal world yep um so yeah, the genetic side of things, and I mean, yeah, medications, you know, a big part of it. Um, underlying, you know, uh, diseases that can be mm-hmm. diagnosed through, again, regular vet checks and that yeah. sort of thing. I mean, and some, um, you know, disease processes people don't sort of notice. You know, think your dog's getting older and that's what's going on. But, um, you know, I see a dog walk through the door. If it's a, um, you know, a small breed dog mm-hmm. that's got a, you know, that's overweight and it's got a big pot belly and and sort of thinning skin um, underneath its abdomen, locks it up in its flank. Um, Cushing's dogs yep. um, tend to get this sort of, yeah, fat dog. 
potbelly, um, thin skin sort of yep. appearance, um, sometimes thinning of the hair. And, I mean, that sounds like lots of little old dogs, but yep. um, lots of little old dogs you know, get pushing disease. That's and, something and, we need to go into further, I think, pushing yeah, in another podcast. I'll put aside old day for that yeah. one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, it, it is a really big problem and it's a quite a common disease process yep. and, and it's underdiagnosed as well yep. um, and it's probably undertreated because it's a complicated disease process. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of these dogs that get um, pancreatitis, I mean, they've got an underlying disease condition. Yep. Yeah. So I guess it really boils down to um, keeping your dog, um, having very regular checkups, being in touch with your vet, I guess, having a your vet knowing your pet and keeping um, an eye out for any of those underlying things and any of those small subtle changes which could indicate a bit of a chronic um, pancreatitis situation. Yep. So once again, it's sort of... Um, Really dealing with your vet as well. Yeah, yeah, and you know, there's lots of stuff we can do for prevention. Um, and you know, in the acute cases, okay, I mean, vomiting more than three times over a you know six-hour period. I mean, yep. that's that's never normal, regardless mm-hmm. of, of the cause of it. Um, you know, going off your food for more than you know, twelve hours. Yep. Um, that's probably something going on. Yep. And and I'd never say don't go to your vet write it mm. out and, and you know if they're otherwise running around okay but you know they usually eat twice a day and, and we've skipped you know a meal and there's something else going on and they throw up once or twice yeah you know, that's that's a vet visit yeah. yeah um and hopefully it's nothing um yeah. but it could be that's right and that's um really important to remember because a lot of these conditions not only pancreatitis but there are a lot of conditions or um things bought on and you get these symptoms but they need to be treated quickly like the earlier the better. That's it's right. Always earlier the better. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of the time it's, I mean, I'd like nothing better than, I'm not really sure what's going on. I wasn't quite sure. Um, yeah. We'll just get him and check out and can't find anything wrong yep. and, and, you know, run some quick blood tests and, and mm-hmm. that's all normal. Cool. Great. Yeah. It ends up as a checkup. It's yeah. Great. You've got um, a baseline for the next time something's right. not right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, you know, it's, you know, a, a very sick dog with pancreatitis it's obvious yeah, know, that, that, that they need attention but um you know early on um and again you know the, the earlier we treat these things the, mm-hmm. the better off it is yeah. and earlier that we find any of these other um problems like the diabetes or inflammatory bowel anything that we can treat early and just know that it's there i guess yeah. means that you can help them better that's right so it all boils down to working with your vet and keeping your dog in um the best health they can be overall yep um so that's weight wise good diets and um yeah, just keeping an eye on them in general. Absolutely. So it is a really complicated subject. Unfortunately. And possibly confused by it all <laughs> and find it overwhelming. But main thing is if you have any concern, you take your pet, dog, cat to the vet. Yep. And um, just go from there, basically. Sounds like a good plan. Okay. Anything else you want to add, Glenn? No, all good. Okay. All right. There we go. That's pancreatitis for you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.